Would you like to record this episode? Yeah, buddy. Let's go. Uh, Tom, can you do the thing with your camera where it like zooms out? No, I've just got a massive head, mate. I think that's. No, fine. I, I mean, I knew way. that. That's why I needed to <laughs> I zoom out. I just think I, I thought I had. To. <laughs> I could just hold the mic like this, like Barry Manilow. As long as you can sing like Barry Manilow. At the Copa, Copa Cabana, the hardest hot spot in Havana. Oh, the Copa, Copa Cabana. Music and passion are always in fashion at the Copa. We fell in love. That's my opener. I'm not doing another one. Well, hi, everybody. It's the Week in the Tackle podcast. I'm Tom Rennie. Great to be back with you on a Monday morning slash afternoon slash evening. We're recording different time zones. What do you want from us? With me is a man in Salt Lake City who usually is up at four in the morning, is now around at midday. He is juiced and ready to rumble. It is the master of dancethory, the king of the dark arts, the man who wipes with both sides of the paper. It is Mr. Brian Dunseth. How are you, mate? You all right? Don't your hands then inevitably get on both sides of the paper? I don't know how you do it. It's a, it's a miracle. See, I got a, I got a, I got an admission. I got yes. an admission. Ready? Go on. I don't use toilet paper. You don't use toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Do you use the shells like in Demolition Man? No. What I do you use, do? I use baby wipes. Right, but you can't put them down the toilet because they're going to oh. ruin your local sewage flow. Yeah. You... Your neighbours are going to be furious about that admission. <laughs> When we had the pipes done for the rats, they said, if you put baby wipes down here, they won't biodegrade. Mm. And with the blockage we've just put in to stop rats coming up the pipe, you will stop this pipe from working in five baby wipes. For only so, five? So you're, well, you live in like a manor. I live in a, like a city. So you I mean, probably I have- I live a, in a city too. I don't you, live in a manor. But your house is probably like a lot larger than mine because it's an American size house. Oh, that's so true. You, yeah. So you've probably got like 40 baby wipes in here, but you're quite backed up, aren't you? So that probably is a year's worth. Cleans up. Yeah, cleans up. Um, yeah. By the way, uh, our intro last week, teach me how to rent. Teach me, teach me how to rent. Have you, have you found it yet? I still don't. I didn't, didn't Google you didn't, it. You didn't YouTube? You. To be oh. honest, the moment I walk away from this program, I just move on with my day. You, you wipe press both, on both sides of the wipes? It's uh, cost effective. Okay. You uh, wipe, do a half fold, it sticks together, you go again. It's what it. Dunseths of this world do. The, Dun- the, Mar- the Suarez's of this world. <laughs> Uh, by the by the your way, your Suarez is your Dunsefs, your Pepe's. Get, I got I got Dunsethery into the broadcast. We we did do like a keys to the match for Real Salt Lake, and they got murdered in New York. It was a six nil. Oh, oh god, bloodbath! It was a touchdown, were, touchdown. Right? Yeah, and in a baseball stadium at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. So it was soccer, but it was a touchdown score line in a baseball stadium. Mm. Now that's American soccer for you. So you're so how did how did you because I can't watch the actually I can I do have the broadcast probably we get it over here a couple of days later which is where mm. I saw your the nuts commentary before <laughs> um, I only really watched back the Columbus Crew games and I watched this lose the Union last week come on Crew come on every time I'm interested you lose um, but what happened and how did you work it in uh, so it was pregame because we we talk about NYCFC they played Wednesday night Concacaf Champions League which is the right. inevitable creation of CONCACAF, or excuse me, Champions League uh, for our region, right? Uh, Canada, United States, Mexico. It's like the Intercontinental Championship compared to we've got the WWE Heavyweight Championship. 
I don't know what that means, but yeah, sounds like a. You're a like pretty- Razor Ramon, and I'm like Hulk Hogan. Oh, I'll t- I'll, I loved Razor Ramon. Yeah, but in the 90s, he was intercontinental champion as opposed oh. to heavyweight champion. With the toothpick Rankings and the curly belts. hair and like yeah. dripping like uh, the, hey. the paint, the hair paint. Mm. <laughs> you got to do it. Sometimes yeah. you got to do it. It's a good uh, look. So anyways, uh, NYCFC, they were obviously their Manchester City football group. They are mm. here. The origination, Pirlo, Lampard, David Villa didn't really work out. Uh Players come, players go. Jack Harrison, project uh, product of Wake Forest College and NYCFC before being under the umbrella of Man City, then being sold to Leeds United, which then will be at some point a reference because they'll justify how much money they spend in the summer on Erling Holland and say, hey, but we sold this player and this player and this player, Jack Harrison being one of them. So I'm bringing it all together. You ready for this? Mm. NYCFC, they are the masters of Dunsethery. They are. Are, in the are you allowed space. to say that? Are yes. you allowed to like be your own? Hype man. I don't know. I don't know. If I, like if I just say they're the master of the dark arts or the Dunsethry, if you will. I mean, I like it, and I feel okay. like it's okay if I say it. Okay. But that's like speaking the third person. It's like third person. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, Dunny likes the Dunsethry in yes. this match right now. You should start doing that in all your commentaries. That's what you should <laughs> so, do. So, so Dunny Wednesday. likes that go. Dunny thinks that's 1-0. <laughs> Dunny says it's 1-0. Uh, there's a guy named Tati Castellanos. He was the MLS Golden Boot winner. He was supposed yeah. to be sold for big money. A deal doesn't get done. Uh, there was conversations, and even Pep Guardiola had talked about Tati Castellanos and how he was playing last season. So really good player. He, he's got a pretty good pedigree, and I think he, at some point he'll play at a, at a higher level in Major League Soccer. But on Wednesday, he got a yellow card 13, 14 seconds into the game. Second leg against Seattle Sounders, and here's how ridiculous it, it wasn't at Yankee Stadium. It was at Red Bull Arena because Yankee Stadium wasn't available for CONCACAF Champions League. Because it had sticky on. So now uh, NYCFC, another subplot, is playing at Yankee Stadium, is going to play at City Field where the New York Mets play for baseball, and Mm. they've played at Red Bull Arena. Plus, they played one of their Champions League matches at LAFC all the way back in March at Bank of California Stadium. So Ronnie Dyla, who, by the way, stripped down to his underwear and did push-ups after winning the MLS Cup trophy in Portland, a site that some may never want to see again. Some will choose to see again. Tim Horsey, I know, was asking for a repeat. Um, this is a, an NYCFC team that's full of Dunsethery. Dunny right. says Dunsethery, if you will. And so that's what I used it in the pregame show. I love it. As my first of two keys. One, being the Dunsethery of yes. NYCFC and not falling into the trap of being goaded into reaction. And two, uh, playing on the confines of a postage stamp in Yankee Stadium, where as a broadcaster, Joe Tollison and Ian Joy call the game from home plate. The only problem is with the setup of the schematics of the field, home plate is actually, if you're looking at the TV, the right corner flag. So you're calling the game to broadcast from the right corner flag. To be fair, that, that does happen. Side. That also happens. Like when you go to Wembley, unless you pay like big money to be the TV broadcaster or TalkSports UK team get like their own special booth with walls because they paid like thousands and thousands of pounds for it. When we do our international broadcast, they're like, what end should we shove them? And so I did the Carabao Cup final recently, basically by the corner flag where the penalties were not being taken. So I did the penalties live to like, what do we do? 17 countries or something with my binoculars at the other end of the ground, whilst also writing down the score on a pad next to me. And because there were so many penalties at one point, I turned my mic off and touched the guys uh, in front shoulder and was like, you got any paper, mate? 
So it's not always top level commentary when you're at the ground, wherever you are, in whatever country you are. Um, another bit to that as well, because I, when we started this podcast, um, the, I always like to use like common phrases for the title. And Week in the Tackle broadly was one of my pitches, of my many brilliant pitches uh, for this program. Uh, and I do, whenever I say Week in the Tackle in commentary, which I do quite often, mm. I always go, that's very Week in the Tackle. Good name for a podcast, that. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. You actually used yeah. that during the, uh, the Man, Man United game, like yes, two weeks that, ago. That's like, a, that's like a twitch almost for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, like, well, don't plan don't plan on this. It just happens well, to me. I, so I, I used to have a clothing company. Company was called Bumpy Pitch. And when we mm. would do something and I'd say, man, this field looks a bit awkward. Balls bounce around everywhere. What a bumpy pitch. And I like, oh, wink to myself. Yeah, that's how bad yes. it was. Let's talk a little bit about the football, what happened um, this weekend. There's a few stories this weekend. Nothing particularly massive actually grabs me from this week, but we could do a little roller coaster ride through some of the stuff that happened. Um, last week in the Premier League game between Manchester City and Liverpool, uh, that was the game I was working on for Sirius XMFC and our international broadcaster at Talk Sport. And um, Edison looked to play a pass left on his goal line, totally balls it up and just about got away with it on his goal line with Diogo Jota um, closing in. And he played a pass to the side, super cool, super chill, got away with it. Um, I actually got a video feed of the bench during mm. the game last week. And it looks like that's the exact moment Zach Steffen went for a hot dog because he didn't see it. So he had no idea that when on the goal line with player in red charging at you, you should just kick it. Just give it a little, give it a little kick fella. Mm. Yeah. You know, if you're on the goal line and someone's running at you, um, just get rid of it. Mm. And a poor old Zach, God bless him. You know, I think that's probably it now. I think that's probably it for Zach in terms really? of being Man City's think? number two. There's a few now. There's a there's a few. You think about Chelsea in the cup at Wembley last year where he came mm. off his line and then was just sort of nowhere when the ball was squared and he wasn't really there. You know, I, this is, I mean, this is the thing, right? This is Man City levels and he might have to play. If Edison gets a serious injury, this is the guy they play in the Champions League final. And there's a drop down from one to two at City like there isn't really at uh, these other clubs, like Quivan Kelleher to Allison, I think Kelleher's very good. I'd even say Kepa and Mendy. You know, Kepa's had some good moments. Burnt Leno. Burnt Got a Leno. lot better. I would even have, but, I mean, A, I said top clubs, but sure. <laughs> I mean, even look at even look at the Amers, you know, Lucas Fabianski, 20 years of Premier League experience, and Alfonso Areola, mm. who won the World Cup in the squad with France and has a great season with Fulham PSG, last season. Yeah, yeah. PSG player, so... The drop just seems to be too much. And that was, I mean, that was a howler. God bless him. He did do the tweet saying, you know, I'll, I'll, actually, I'll read it to you. Um, he actually talks, I'm told, like, uh, yes, I make you Sam. <laughs> Trials and tribulations, failures and successes. That's life, dagnabbit. Yesterday's game is a tough pill to swallow. All we could do is get back up and grow from it, you varmint. Thank you to all the fans who made the trip. <laughs> Not many. We will work hard to... It's really difficult to do. We'll work hard to make you guys proud. We move on. Not once did he go, yeah, f*** that, didn't I? Thoughts? Thoughts? Uh, really, Sorry, Tim, by the way. Really, Sorry, Tim. Really tough performance, right? All three goals um, in one way, shape, or form, probably preventable. This is a performance that not only I think puts a tremendous amount of doubt for Pep Guardiola, who sees him every day, who either has faith in him or has questions. He comes out publicly and backs him yesterday. 
but privately, we will never know. Um, but also for Greg Berhalter, the U.S. men's national team coach, because you effectively have, I would say, five goalkeepers right now. Zach Steffen, backup mm-hmm. of Man City. Matt Turner, injured, but starter for the New England Revolution, who is now going to Arsenal to be the backup in the summer. Ethan Horvath, who is at Nottingham Forest, who got a couple games more recently, but has been the backup at Nottingham Forest and is backing up again. Sean Johnson, starting goalkeeper for the NYC, for NYCFC, who was the MLS Cup final MVP, but always looked at as, as a number three, a number four goalkeeper. And then there's this kid in Chicago, and Tony Miola watches him week in, week out. His name is Gabriel Slimini. Kid is 17 years old, and I believe, Tom, he has something to the effect of like seven shutouts in his first 15 matches. He's 17 years old. Oh. The, kid's, the, kid, the kid, hold on, stick with me for a second. He's too young. This is not even worth that. It's too young. Because he's going to be included in the World Cup roster. At 17, he's going to be included. He will be included in the World Cup roster as an experienced goalkeeper for the 2026 roster. Because out of all the group of young goalkeepers... Just take him on the plane. You haven't got to put him in the squad. He's going to be on the squad. Bizarre. Why? Well, look at little Theo Walcott when he went with England under Mm. Sven Goran Eriksson. La, 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 la. And he went in and... Like, we could have taken someone we could have played. And I think Michael Owen got injured, and suddenly there was nobody, and Theo Walcott was 16. Mm. And it was a complete waste of time. If you're taking someone to get involved in the squad, you can take them, and they can sit on the bench and get involved in everything and do all the training and be treated like a squad member. Don't list them if you've got no intention of playing them or you wouldn't rely on them in a game where it's absolutely required. Like, it, it can get great experience in being there. It would basically go as the apprentice, the work experience. There's no reason to put a place at risk when there's people who do it, you know, as a profession. Can, can I throw a curveball at you? Curve he, he might be the most sharpest game match fit player in goal at that point, along with Sean Johnson, because you're coming off the MLS season, mm. and now there's question marks about all three goalkeepers that are going to be in Europe at what club, and will they be just the backup? Would you take him over Zach Steffen after this weekend? Uh, right now, I would say the kid's potential is off the charts. Mm. And if Zach Steffen is not going to be playing, Zach Steffen's undisputed number one goalkeeper position mm. is at threat. That's what I'm saying. What would take... you say? You're, you're Zach Steffen's agent now. Mm. What would you say to him about next season in the World Cup following this? we got to figure out a way to get you games. Get you games. It's, you mean loan out or move yeah, out or leave England? No, no, what would you say? No, but that was that's always the question, right? Like, so theoretically, we've had this conversation for years about US players, right? Timothy Weah, when he was at PSG, the conversations were what an incredible environment. He's at PSG, some unbelievable players. He's got Mbappe, mm-hmm. he's got Messi or Neymar, he's got Cavani, he's got Zlatan or whatever. But at some point he's got to play. He just can't be a part of the environment. We said the same thing about Conrad De La Fuente when he was at Barcelona. Oh, my God. He's with Messi. He's with Suarez. He's at Barcelona. But then at some the, point, he's got to play. With those so, players, though I agree with the point that at some point, all these guys have got to go somewhere to play, they all haven't made a balls up of this magnitude. And this hmm. was, I can't speak internationally, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners watched it, and a lot of people around the world watched it. It's the FA Cup, so probably less than the Premier League. Here, that was domestic television, as we call it, terrestrial television free-to-air television at 3.30, whatever, in the afternoon. That game will have got 
10 to 15 million live viewers, another five posts, and at least 3 million watch match of the day. So that is going to be seen between 12 and 17 million people. His reputation in England is finished. Uh, listen, I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't think there's a single person of that 10 to 15 million that watched that game and said that Zach Steffen, after that performance in that, that big of a game at Wembley, says to himself, Zach Steffen is a Man City player. Mm. I, I don't. I, I is don't. he a Premier League player, though? I mean, I mentioned Fabianski well, earlier. Lucas Fabianski, the West Ham goalkeeper at Arsenal, was known as Lucas Flappyhansky. Mm-hmm. And he was a figure of fun mm-hmm. for a lot of supporters, Arsenal fans included. He went away. He went to Swansea. I'm sure there's somewhere in the middle there that I've lost, but he was at Swansea and was Swansea's goalkeeper for a few years. And they were struggling. And he made save after save after save after save and was brilliant. He then went to West Ham around about 32, 33 years of age. They'd asked a bit too long. And for four years, he's been West Ham's number one. And for two of those seasons, reaction time's gone a bit now, but he's still very, very solid. Mm. He rarely makes a Flappy Hansky style error. He built a reputation. So you can build it. You don't build it sitting on the bench and playing in the Moose Cup. Well, and on top of that, let me let me throw another one at you. What about Shashesny? Shashesny's yeah. got a terrible reputation. He does. Terrible England, reputation. Yeah. And he's he's the Juve number one, right? He's he's Juventus's number one. Mm. So like I I listen, I I'm I'm in agreement with you on this. The challenge right now has to be for Zach and his agent. And that, listen, there's got to be an egotistical element to it as well, right? That He's at Man City, just re-upped his deal not too long ago. And with the money he's on and the environment that he's in, there becomes kind of a weird dynamic at play of at some point, everybody wants to play, right? Everybody Mm. wants to play. But at what point for goalkeepers do you decide to be Willie Caballero? If you're Willie Caballero, then you're just, okay, I'm good being a number two. Like, well, the, so it's, it's, it's when you turn 36, 37. You want to play 37 to 42 and get 100%, 100%. money. 100%. And Stefan is far, he's, I think he's too old to be the number two, but he's too young to be Willy Caballero. So yeah. this is the time. And a, a couple of years ago, we joked about 18 months, whenever he moved to City, we joked about uh, he, he has got West Ham written all over him, you know, loaned mm-hmm. to West Ham for two, three seasons. That was the kind of joke we did a lot on the yeah. on Grumpy Pundits on the show. Now, I wouldn't have him now. And he looked to me at the weekend like a rookie. Hmm. He looked like someone who don't play. He looks like someone who was 20. But I wouldn't expect that of Quivan Kelleher in the same way that I kind of expect it of Zach Steffen. Maybe it's a talent thing. Maybe it's a games thing. You know, I I can't answer that. But I know Zach Steffen is going to be nowhere near good enough to be the US number one at the World Cup if he continues to sit on the bench for Man City and play games like this. And really quick, he, he can't he can't end up like Lorius Carius. That, oh, he can't, he have can't, you he... seen Lorius Carius? I'm not going to go up to him and say, I don't want someone to end up like you. He looks like, sorry, Tim, the f***ing Hulk. Have you seen him? He's oh, been... my God. Yeah. He's, well, he's he not doing pumping much. the iron, he's not which doing I think much. is what they say. Yeah, Tim, Tim. Tim's not letting him out of his contract. I mean, at that point, just let him out of the contract, right? Just let him out. Just let him out. Just let him into him WWE off. where he wants to go. Mm. Hey? Does, does look sharp. That's like my second wrestling reference on today's program. Mm. Weird, very strange. Um, post the game, though, Man City Liverpool wasn't anywhere near. I thought the quality of game from the previous week. Some of the chin strokers in the written media have been discussing the fact that Man City lack depth 
<laughs> and that was the reason uh, they struggled against Liverpool. Uh, here's the starting eleven, just in case you were wondering. Uh, Raheem Sterling, one of England's best players over the last 10 years, 50 million when they bought him five years ago. Phil Foden, potentially the player of his generation in English football. Jack Grealish, 100 million pounds. Gucci model. Gabriel Jesus, I think it was 30 million pounds. Fernandinho, yes, getting on a bit but a multiple Premier League winner and club captain, Bernardo Silva, 50 million pounds. Cancelo, 50 million pounds. John Stones, 50 million pounds. Nathan Ake, 50 million pounds. <laughs> Zinchenko, don't know, actually, probably cheap. Zach Steffen, the less said, the better. On mm. the bench, yeah, fair enough. There was a whole bunch of young players. Ruben Diaz, 50 million pounds. Gundogan, 50 million pounds. I'm Rick Laporte, 50 million pounds. Rodri, 50 million pounds. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne, 50 million pounds. Riyad Mahrez, 50 million pounds. Edison, 50 million pounds. Then two kids, but probably worth 50 million pounds combined. Um, so <laughs> they didn't quite have the depth to beat Liverpool mm. this weekend because they had the game in midweek as well. Yeah, I, 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 I thought that was that was a balls up type of comparison right there because what what listen what, what they're really saying is that Kevin De Bruyne wasn't fit enough to start hmm. that that's all they're really saying that that's it I mean that's really listen Pep rotated Pep felt that he had to rotate Klopp they had an quote-unquote easier game because they did the business in the first leg against Benfica so he could rotate some of their players and be a little bit more fresh and then go into a game where they dominated uh, in that first 60 or so minutes. And they, they were by far clearly the better team on the day. Mm. Um, out, outside of that, listen, it's the two best teams in the Premier League. That's yeah. it. It's the two best managers in the Premier League. All due respect to everybody else. And at the end of the day, the better team won. Liverpool yeah. won. So any of the other stuff about depth, or, it's, it's, all, it's all BS. Yeah. Absolutely um, BS. On Liverpool, um, they won in midweek. They have... You know, I don't care about jinxing it. They have a significantly easier Champions League semi-final. Um, that's the draw they all wanted, and they got it, and they should win that easily. Um, they've already won the Moose Cup. They're in the final of the Carabao Cup against Chelsea. They've already beaten at Wembley this season. Quadruple, how are you feeling about it? Still in play. Still is it play. on, though? I mean, it's in yeah, play, but I, is it going to happen? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll reference it. In, here in the States, we had uh, Jordan Henderson the other day um, at the desk post-match mm. and he was asked about it and said, it's not even a part of the conversation. I, I honestly don't think this group talks about that stuff. I think they're all in acknowledgement of the situation that they're in, which is extraordinary mm. at this stage of the season credit where credit's due. Um, can they do it, man? There, there's <laughs> could, could it happen? hundred percent. It could happen. Will they do it? Probably not because there's just too many variables that end up happening. Um, but listen, I, I would say that not winning anything would be a huge, devastating disaster yeah. for this group of players, considering how hard they work to get to this point. Well, they've got one trophy already, but you're not counting the Moose Cup. You're, you're probably right to do so. No. Um, but Don't they do, do have the Moose Cup in the bag. I think they'll win the FA Cup against Chelsea. I think they'll win the Champions League. I think the league is going to be beyond them because from City's run-in, there's two games there that I think they could possibly drop points in. Not lose, drop points. That's all that happened to Wanderers, um, and that's West Ham. West Ham, uh, in their last few games, have got Frankfurt yeah. twice and Chelsea and Arsenal and Man City, plus Norwich and Brighton, I think. So by the time they get to West Ham, I think West Ham are going to be out on their feet, as they look like already in certain games. Again, at the weekend they did. 
against Brentford last week. They did. And Wolves, are they going to have much to play for at that point, depending on the next couple of results? I don't know. Uh, and when that game's going to be reorganized for as well. So I, I just can't see it. However, I did say in there, they'll win the FA Cup. That's, that means I think they'll beat Chelsea. Uh, let's talk about that for a minute. I was pretty gutted Chelsea won, to be honest. Um, they won because they've got a particularly better squad than Crystal Palace. They won because they took their chances. Um, but I've got to tell you, I have two friends, two of my dearest friends. One is a Chelsea fan and one is a Crystal Palace fan. And they went to the game together um, at the weekend. And we're on a kind of thread, the, the lads from the old days. And I got the video from the Chelsea fan. It was sitting in the Chelsea end. Great day, guys. It's lovely to, lovely to be here. Great if we win it. But if we don't, you know, last year was fantastic. Got a video from the Palace fan. <laughs> This is the greatest day of my entire life. If we win this, I'm going to run naked through Trafalgar Square every day of the week until the final. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Cheer, scream, ah! Um, and the guy who didn't really care about it has won it. And the, mm. the Palace fans have made an incredible atmosphere and took flags and brought that whole Homestale Road vibe. You know, they're out. Yeah. And when the game finished... My friend who was the Chelsea fan left and he sent a text like, our oh, commiserations. We're nice people on this thread a lot of the time. <laughs> Whereas the Palace fan was like, we're still here. And the Palace fan stayed in Wembley for hours afterwards yeah. to enjoy the day. And I just kept thinking, isn't that what we want? Some mm. different names on these trophies. Uh, I, just, I just don't want to see another Chelsea-Liverpool final. I know it's Liverpool's first FA Cup final for 10 years, but it was in a final the other week. I don't want to see it. And I don't want to see fans there you know, I thought this the other day. When West Ham are in the semi of the Europa League, Leicester are in the semi of the Conference League, and Palace were in the semi of the FA Cup. And I just thought, wouldn't it be great if those three teams who won it would celebrate with friends and family and their club like it was a massive event, as opposed to the usual coterie of oligarchs and sovereign wealth funds who, when they win their trophies, decide at the end of the season which one they like most hmm. yeah I, I think that's really well put is there it, has there ever been a conversation pardon my ignorance has there ever been a conversation about excluding teams i know fa cup is is pristine historic is everything mm. that the game kind of stands for in the country but has there ever been any talk about maybe changing the variables of the fa cup meaning that say something like if you've qualified for Champions League the, for the next season, hmm. then you are not eligible to participate in the FA Cup for that season. There hasn't been a serious conversation about that yeah. with the FA Cup because the FA Cup still, despite those particular clubs denigrating it with their team selections <laughs> over the years, um, people still want to be in it. It has a prestige in this country. Yeah. And I think even internationally for a domestic cup, it still carries a certain weight that, that others don't, maybe because of how much it is respected here. But... The Carabao Cup, the Moose Cup, the League Cup, the Worthington Cup, the Carling Cup, the Coca-Cola Cup, insert other sponsor here. Um, there's been non-stop talk about revamping it, getting rid of it. And that should already be the, the cup for those not in Europe. Yeah. It should already be that. But the sponsors, because we need the money, the money from a Thai drinks company that no one has ever heard of. And I know I, I technically work you know, for that competition, but you know, I'm also a private individual who's drunk a can of Carabao and it's like drinking the vomit of a fairy. Oh. Like it's utterly despicable to drink. And no one actually drinks it. But we take the money because they sponsor it. 
and they should make it the English or British Cup for teams not in Europe. And every year it'll be Aston Villa and Middlesbrough and Preston winning a cup because right now the game is so rigged against them, they're not going to win it anyway. Mm. So winning a cup they're not in, I don't think it would take away any prestige of it. And if I'm a West Ham fan in that cup, and yes, we're in Europe this year, we've been in Europe for most of my life, mm. winning the Moose Cup, going to Wembley and beating Burnley in the final, for example, it wouldn't ruin my enjoyment of it one little bit. Can I tell you also, you know what really frustrated me? Is Connor Gallagher deserved to play? Oh. He deserved to play, and, and there's no reason. And I, and I hate this because I they did it to Broja um, a, a week ago, two yeah two weeks ago. This whole thing, if you're on loan and you can't play against your parent club, is such bullshit. Sorry, Tim. It it is. It really is. Because yeah. if you deem this player not valuable enough to be in your squad for the season, but he's got potential or it's loan army or it's the financial game behind the scenes, which, which it is, it's a money, it's a business. Um, like let the kid play, man. You're talking yeah. about, and by the way, it's beneficial to allow Connor Gallagher to play in that game because guess what? It's a big game. It's at Wembley. It, I, I get that he can hurt you. I get that you're, you're, you're a friend and, and don't, don't give me this all, but it was written into the deal. It was written into the deal. They said, um, it's such bullshit. It really is. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. Uh, it's just like the kid deserves to play. Yeah. He's made such a phenomenal name for himself this season with Patrick Vieira's side. He's such an integral part of their success this season. Yeah. And you're going to take that away from him because you're that insecure that you might actually lose the game because Connor Connor Gallagher's on the field yeah. playing for Chris. There would be no not for he and Brogia for Southampton last two weeks ago, whatever week and a half ago. There wasn't an ounce of me that looked at those two players and said, "Oh, they're going to bottle the game for Chelsea." Oh, they're they're going to throw. No, they want to prove every single day, like the signal in training, that they can compete and they deserve to be there. So. It's such a BS move. It's such yeah. a soft move. And it, it, it made me have so much more disdain for Chelsea than I needed to have. Because mm. how could you take that moment away from him? Yeah. And a I know someone's going to say... disdain going around for Chelsea right now. Well, but someone's going to say, hold on. He's going to win trophies. He's going to be there. He's going to be in Wembley. He's going to be there for cup finals or whatever. Mm. Look, at, look, at, look at Chelsea's. But it doesn't matter. It's still, you're taking an incredible moment away from the poor kid. And, yeah. I just and also, he really signed a contract taste. with Crystal Palace. He has signed a contract to play for Crystal Palace this year. And mm-hmm. Conor Gallagher can play against the other uh, 18 teams in the Premier League across the year, but can't play against Chelsea. What an advantage that is for, for Chelsea, that their best mm-hmm. player can't play against them for two games. It's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. Palace asked this week, and Chelsea should have acquiesced to the request. And also, on the experience thing, I think you're absolutely right, because... Conor Gallagher, I don't think, is being fattened up to sell like some of these guys are. Conor Gallagher is being given experience this season, and he has been so good. Like one of the top five midfielders in the country this year. That's how good he has been. He's going to be in Chelsea squad next year. He'll be playing for Chelsea in big games next year. To not let him play was was a dumb decision, was a mean decision. And it showed as well, you know, how afraid Chelsea are to live in a world without oligarch sugar daddy. Because now oligarch sugar daddy is gone. Um, they're worried about not making finals anymore because this squad's got to get broken up because oligarch sugar daddy won't buy them a lollipop whenever they need a new striker. So, you know, they're afraid this might be their last year of being in a few finals and they want to win it. Um, and they, every advantage they can take, 
they've taken it. And that's why they won the game. Uh, two other quick bits on this before we move on. Number one, just a quick question on Romelu Lukaku uh, missing from uh, a yard out or two yards out in the 90th minute. Um, what's the point, Lukaku? Oh, boy. Um, Chelsea players historically outlast managers, right? They, they outlast the manager. Unless Thomas Tuchel leaves in the summer, Romelu Lukaku should be looking to leave in the summer. It's been an abject failure. Mm. Um, he, it's, it's, I don't care how you cut it, the private interview in December to ease the, the tension with Inter fans and the way that he left the club, wow. um, what, there was something more, something more there. Yeah. And now you've got a you've got a Thomas Tuchel who is publicly questioning his fitness and or his frame, his size and saying that he's got to wait his turn. He's got to take his opportunity. He's got to get game sharpness and game fit. But that can't happen because he's not playing. And it's just playing. It's playing the Ferris wheel of excuses and reasons as to why this guy who was supposed to be the solution to the point nine, the striker, the, the tip of the spear, whatever you want to call it, um, has had zero role for this team since probably late November. Yeah. Um, Joe Cole, who is rapidly going up in my estimation, an analyst that I think is really good, um, said Lukaku's got six weeks to save his career. Look at Timo Werner. He said he might not be anywhere near as good as Lukaku or might never score goals, but he never gives up. Lukaku needs to be furious with himself and he's got six weeks to save his career. And, and that kind of goes to your point. And I think that's absolutely right. Um, one final thing, I'm going to move on, but I've got to tell you this. So ITV are a terrestrial broadcaster here, much like the BBC, um, but funded in a different way. Anyway, they got the FA Cup semi-final. So the first game was on the BBC. The second was on ITV. Why am I telling you this? Because ITV, God bless them, they don't have the resource of the BBC. No one in this country has the resource of the BBC. Um, you know, the BBC would send 60 when TalkSport would send three, for example. That's the sort of numbers, right? Not to say we do it badly, but they send someone to make the tea for the tea boy. Um, ITV, so they don't have the resource, God bless them, but they're doing the game, terrestrial TV. They're kind of famous for having... These on-air mistakes, you may mm. recall a few years ago, there was a Merseyside derby in the FA Cup when Dan Gosling scored for Everton and they accidentally cut away to their next scheduled programme. So the game was in extra time. I did and there was a And there was something that was kind of timed to go to Midsummer Murders or whatever. And they'd cut away from it. So it was like, and Dan Gosling, he's through! And the Midsummer Murders theme tune started. And they had to cut it back. And it was now 1-0 to Everton and everyone missed it. So this week... Ruben Loftus-Cheek has just scored the opening goal for Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final. And as Ruben Loftus-Cheek turns away to celebrate, we don't hear what the commentator said post because it cuts to uh, Mufasa and Simba in the Lion King walking up towards a mound at Pride Rock where Mufasa is about to tell Simba about the legacy of the lions who have gone before them. It's a key part of the plot. It's a tremendous movie, the mm. old one at least. Um, but they basically cut into 10 seconds of The Lion King before going back to the second half. And it was just, I was watching the game. Uh, I didn't work this weekend. I went to my sister-in-law's house for lunch on Easter Sunday and the telly was on over the corner of like my wife's shoulder. So you're a bit like, oh, it's just, it's just scored. <laughs> but then they've just scored. And when it turned over to The Lion King, 
there's like seven or eight kids in the room. Everyone's brought their kids. And I'm thinking, sorry, Tim, what f***ing kid has just turned the telly over? I'm secretly watching the cup final here. What mm-hmm. have you done there? I'm looking at all the kids with vicious, angry eyes. And it turns out it was just someone in the production office at, at ITV. So I want to say sorry uh, to my niece who got a lot of wrath for that. <laughs> Uh, by, by the way, um, can you imagine? Can you imagine the 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 panic that ensued? Oh yeah, behind the scenes, it's got to be. It's glorious. It's glorious. <laughs> I just think about Tim Horsey and the panic would yes. would happen because listen, we we've on SiriusXM been in situations where you know control has dumped us out of like a penalty shootout, and. Okay, we're going live. What do you mean we're going live? Well, control didn't push it back another 10 minutes. Like things happen, <laughs> craziness yeah. happens. So, man, I I I wonder I wonder who lost the job. <laughs> wonder who lost the job because people were scrambling. I mean, they have my sympathy because it does happen. Uh, and they have my empathy because it's happened to most broadcasters at some point. Yeah. But also, objectively, it was super funny. So Man United were on the weekend against Norwich. Great, good result for them. Other results went their way. But I just wanted to ask you about Pogba. God bless him. <laughs> We've done so many Pogba conversations. We all have. All the listeners have. Sirius XMFC have. All the broadcasters have. And we're thankfully coming to the end of this period. Um, Man United fans, I've been to Old Trafford. In the stadium, you know, Twitter is not the real world, as most people know. Um, most people in the stadium at Old Trafford, even through the Ole Gunnar Savior days, very supportive. They're actually a very supportive crowd inside Old Trafford. Uh, it, it seems weird, but most fans who go are real supportive of the team. Most know what they have had, and most have tasted champagne in their lives. Um, but Paul Pogba getting booed off and a few um, FUs from the crowd were pretty audible. I only saw it on TV this weekend. I wasn't there. Um, but I just thought, on the one hand, you know, it doesn't make sense, blah, 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 he's your player. On the other hand, I kind of think it's time. I think it's time under par, under effort, poor performances for years and years and years and years. The continual flirtation with leaving. The fact we are now coming to an end. I just think it's, I think he's earned a few boos. Hmm. You know, he's earned a few, you know, if this was the Babe Ruth era, people would have taken tomatoes and thrown them at him. Like he has not put enough effort in. He's not delivered enough performances. We've constantly spoken about when is the talent going to emerge. It doesn't. It hasn't. And this is, at the end of the day, a spectator sport. Spectators pay their money to be there. The players are getting paid to be there. And part of it, part of this whole pantomime, which we enjoy so much, you know, the abuse. There was a line on the abuse, the Nagelsmann death threat and all that horrible stuff. But in the arena, when the gladiators are there, I think a little bit of grief from the crowd is occasionally warranted. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but I'd say he's earned it. You know, this is a tough one for me because obviously being a Manchester United fan, I'm a Paul Pogba fan. I have been since he was coming through at Manchester United, and I was disappointed when he left to go to Juve. Uh, I really enjoyed him with Vidal and Pirlo in the midfield at Juve, and I had high, high hopes and expectations. Um, And I thought that he was going to be a huge piece of what the future looked like for Manchester United, that they could continue to build alongside, not build around, build alongside of him. It's been a disaster. It's, it's, it's been a constant disaster. And I, and I, and I recognize that the price of Paul Pogba 
comes with certain levels of expectation. And I've never really been sure what those expectations were. Is he supposed to be a goal scorer? Is he supposed to be an assist man? Is he supposed to be a destroyer? Is he just supposed to be a good player? Because good players don't cost 89 million pounds. Great players cost 89 million pounds, especially in that part of time, pre-Neymar going uh, away from Barcelona to PSG. For Pogba, there's been some success. Um, but collectively, there's been a lot of just average, average performances. And for Paul Pogba, Mino Raiola, comments away during commercial visits with Adidas or whatever, Pepsi or whatever, about wanting to play. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Is he going to sign a new contract? Is he not? I think people just got sick of it. I think it, it, it's become a time where people, okay, he's not going to re-up with the club. He's effectively going to be a free agent in the summer. You know, he's got one of the most powerful agents in the game. He's got one of the biggest names on the back of the jerseys that'll be available. And he's going to command crazy, crazy money. And he is a fantastic player. And he's going to make whatever team he ends up at a better team when it's all said and done. But I think it's just, it, there, there's an apathy, I think, from the fan base towards this group of players. And you either can be Harry Maguire, which everyone hates, or you could be Victor Lindelof, who nobody has an opinion on. You, you could be Marcus Rashford, that thinks that, that people think he's doing more off the field than he's doing on the field. And that's you, the spectrum. The spectrum, yeah. the I mean, spectrum is they were either hated or we have no opinion. That, I mean, think about it. Like Eric Bailly, is he a good player or do you hate him? I, I have know. no opinion. No opinion. No opinion. Phil Jones. Phil Jones has been there for what nine years, ten years. Yeah, I don't know. But 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 the, the question here really isn't that the players sort of don't like him or not. It's this, right? Twitter's not the real world. Social media is not the real world. I said to you a couple of weeks ago in the United Kingdom, only thirty percent, according to a recent poll of people in this country, are actually on Twitter, mm. which means seventy percent aren't. Facebook was higher, but it's still only around fifty or sixty yeah, percent. A lot yeah. of people are not on it. And it's a horrible place, and that's where people think it's all right to be a fat loser and send Julian Nagelsmann a death threat. You know, that sort of thing, you know, pathetic. Don't agree with that, not into that, not into threats on social media, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. But if I go to a theatre show or a concert, if I go to a concert, there's a great um, comedy routine by Bill Bailey who talks about going to see Whitney Houston. She turned up four hours late, and she comes out and does this thing about how much she loves the crowd, and the guy behind Bill Bailey says... Sing, <laughs> because I've been here for four hours. Sorry, Tim. Uh, and, and there's that element of I paid my money, and yeah. I think it's part of the thing that you get booed by your own fans. The other stuff, absolutely not. And there's a line that people think it's okay to cross now for, for reasons that are just too big to get into on this program, but it's absolutely wrong and abhorrent. But in the stadium, I'm not saying offer them out, but a boo and a get lost. I'm all for, and I think players deserve that. And I think that's part of it. That is part of spectator sport. And I know we're all woke these days, but no, I'm sorry. No, in the arena, when I paid my money, you don't put the effort in. Boo, boo you right in the face and give me a refund. I've not got a ref. I had a season ticket at West Ham and I didn't actually see us win for four years because I, had to, I was at university and I was away. So I came back for occasional game. So I shared it with my kind of dad's friends. I didn't see us win for 23 games. That cost me around about five grand mm -hmm. in tickets and travel. I never saw them win. So if I boo you, you earned it, buddy. 
get out there and run at least. Otherwise, we're going to give you the Pogba treatment. I think that's okay. That's cool. Question for you as a former pro. Why did Nikola Vlasic cry when he fell on Ashley Westwood and he broke his mm. ankle? I thought that was really weird. Like, watching Nikola Vlasic, it was like watching the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan. Like, I thought we were <laughs> going to turn around and see Ashley Westwood searching for his leg on the beach. Yeah. Like, he got injured. It was bad. We wish him well. But what did that, what's well, that about? There, there's, a, there's a code. I would say there's a code amongst amongst pros that you know you never want to see a fellow pro injured and some have you know like for me if i see like somebody's ankle somebody's foot going the wrong direction i'm intrigued i want to see what happened i want the replays show it to me super slow-mo and i'm totally good with it but i'm also the guy that can watch like hip replacements on like the doctor <laughs> channel what like, yeah oh yeah what do no, you I watch Hip replacements, knee replacements, shoulder replacements. Like, you will do this in your spare time. You'll watch the doctor oh, channel and watch live yeah. surgery. Like I'll look stuff up on YouTube. I'll be in the Have you ever been to a live surgery? No, I haven't. I've I've, I've been in surgery. Yeah. Yes, well, because yes, you can go, can't you? You can be <laughs> I, a spectator and watch surgeries. I, I would love, like, if I could have been one of those, I, this is what I should have done, right? I should have been like the medical device salesman guy who could like go in and like, I'm going to sell you this little thing and it's going to be like a ball socket for the hip replacement. Mm. And then I would be in there in the surgery watching the surgery. I love that stuff. I delivered all three boys. I, I literally had a deal with the doctor that we would only go to the doctor that allowed me to deliver the, our, our three boys. You're a doula. I don't know what that means. You're doula Dunseth. Uh, sure. A doula is someone that like is with the uh, woman who's having a baby Okay. Um, and you're with them the entire way. Not a medical professional, but someone that's always, their job is to be with pregnant women or birthing women. I, I was, I was They're right quite there. spiritual, I think. Okay. I think they're the ones that do the chanting. I... <laughs> sure. Mm. I'm going to follow your lead on that one. Um, I, ap I apologize push, um, if Renny has mm, offended push. anybody out there. Um, no, no, I, I, doula's a thing. You haven't you got I a doula strapped up. Like, I, I, I had the stuff on. I had the, 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 I had the whole outfit on. Gloves up all the shoulders. I, like, I was ready to go. Like I literally brought my children into this world and clipped the umbilical and handed them to my wife. I did oh, all that stuff. They said to me, do you want to cut the umbilical cord? And I was like, <laughs> no it's like cutting a hose i don't care what it is it's not it's like my job scissor, like, i don't invite you to my job and say oh, yeah. do you want to do the second half yeah no i don't no <laughs> so, so here 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 here's what it grab a pair of scissors go yes. out to the garden yes. cut a hose with a pair of scissors and that's that's kind of the general feeling no because i've got to pay for that hose i'll cut your hose <laughs> i'll cut my hose four quid's worth see i love i i love that stuff so that this is what I'm saying. I like I've been around guys that have popped their Achilles. I've yes. been around guys that have double tip fib fracture with like the bone coming out of the sock. Like I've seen all of that stuff. And I'm like, oh, dude, you okay? Like, here, let me help you. I'll support you. But then there's other guys that'll be like, Ugh. Yes, but no, <laughs> but I understand both of those reactions. Number one, curiosity and fake empathy, which is mm. what you show. Uh, number two, people that are sickened by it. But he was like. No, he broke like, down. Really he upset was emotional. and crying. Yeah, yeah. He, he and emotionally thought, broke down, yeah. I know everyone's different, and I'm not saying don't show emotion, be a man, any of that crap. I'm not saying that. I just thought this was weird. Hmm. It was a weird reaction from someone to be that emotional about it. It's horrible. 
and all that. But it's it seemed like he was all upset. A long-term injury. He was all upset. Yeah. And the Burnley players went for a drink. That's hmm. <laughs> really weird. <laughs> anyway, I just thought it was odd. There we go. We got something out of it, and that was that Dunny is some sort of surgery creep. If you enjoyed this week's episode, and we are certain that you did, you should leave us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. If you leave us a five-star review and a nice little blurb, we may get Tim Horsey to read it in an upcoming podcast. Wouldn't that be something to laugh about over Sunday dinner? Week in the Tackle is also available on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. Download it today and tap podcasts for video clips of the show and loads more. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SiriusXMFC. Week in the Tackle is part of the SiriusXM podcast network and is produced by Tim Horsey. The executive producer is Pete Corey. Sound design was by Joey DeFazio. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM FC's Program Director, Joe Tolleson. SiriusXM Podcasts.